Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. My name is Wendy Batts, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Miller. So, Ken, how are you doing today? I am awesome. Thank you, Wendy. How are you? Uh, just living a dream. No place I'd rather be. <laughs> um, well, we're super excited today. We have a, a special guest. Mm -hmm. Her name is Erica Lugo, and she is going to be joining us to tell us all about the amazing stuff that she has gone through, what she's done, and how she's really impacted the fitness industry. So I would like to formally introduce Miss Erica, and I'll let Erica introduce herself. I think she could do herself justice more than I can. So Erica, why don't you tell everyone who you are and why you're here? I think you did a really good job introducing me. Sometimes I don't like saying, hi, I'm Erica Lugo, and I do this and this and this. No, um, you know, my recent title that people know me by is Erica Lugo, Biggest Loser Trainer. Um, but I've done so many different things, you know, with the Rachel Ray Show, the Today Show, Women's Health Magazine. I've definitely experienced a lot in the fitness world the last few years. Oh, well, we are excited to have you. And um Thanks. You know, I was kind of reading up on you a little bit more, and I know that you have an amazing hit, like kind of back history of what even got you into the fitness industry. And of course, you are NASM certified, which makes me mm -hmm. super, super excited. But why don't you kind of tell us, you know, a little bit of kind of what got you where you are today? So kind of give us a little bit of background. Yeah, um, man, that's such a broad question. I can go on forever about that. So my son, I can't believe is going to be turning 11 in just a few weeks. And I wow. decided to start losing weight when he was about three, because I just couldn't keep up with him. I was having a hard time getting up off the floor. And it was kind of a or getting up off the couch to play with him on the floor. And I remember it, it was my light bulb moment. Oh, everyone always asks, like, what was that moment for you? And for me, it was when my three year old looked up at me from the floor and asked mom, will you play with me? And I got goosebumps. I wish you can close up. I just got goosebumps because I remember looking at my son and telling him no, because I'd much rather sit on the couch and eat Cheez-Its or goldfish. And something in me was just, whoa, I wanted him so badly. I wanted to be a mother so badly. And I didn't even have the energy to get up off the couch to play with him because I thought, well, then I'm going to have to like, clean up the toys and pretend I have energy to play with them. And I'm like, I just worked all day. Like I deserve to sit on the couch. So I had struggled with my weight my whole entire life. I've always um, been a bigger built person. I mean, first off I'm five eleven, so I'm just built bigger anyways. But you know, by that point, after that moment with my son, something in me to said, get on the scale and see what it says. I don't know why I did that, but I'm glad I did. And I got on the scale and it said 322 pounds and my heart just went whoosh. Like it fell out of my stomach and I just thought there's no way that I'm in my twenties and 322 pounds. So I honestly just started with the basics. I've tried dieting all my life. I come from a family where we tried dieting all our life. I come from the generation where our parents took diet pills to lose the weight, you know? So my vivid memories of losing weight was quick fixes, find something that's just going to work but I knew the basic of eating less and moving more was going to work. So I just started there. And honestly, um, I'm thankful that I started then with just the basics because I think now, especially with social media, we're so saturated with all these different ideas and versions of what health is that I think I'd be more confused now if I was starting now versus when I did back then. Now, Erica, that, thanks for sharing that, by the way, because mm -hmm. um, I've got two kids of my own and my daughter is going to be 10 this year. And 
exactly what you said. You know, it's just about trying to keep up with with her and my son who's playing mm-hmm. baseball. Now with, yep. with you and your lifestyle, is it a matter of you keeping up with your, your son now or is it about your son <laughs> keeping up with you? Because I've seen your workouts and your workouts are no joke either. So it's kind of funny. All of our kids, well, now I'm remarried, so I don't just have one. I have two stepkids too, and all three kids play sports. Um, But so funny because I'm such an active person that it's our rule in our house that you have to move for a minimum of 30 minutes a day if you're not playing sports or if you're not at practice. And I'm telling you, no matter like as much as they see me and my husband move, um, it's sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get them on that 30 minutes. So I would say I'm still ahead of the game as of now, but they're about ready to peak here soon with their athleticism. So I'm waiting for it. So that's why I'm keeping up on my. <laughs> well, I have a question for you, you know, based on what you said and, you know, obviously it was a realization when you got on the scale and then you were, you were really kind of thinking more about nutrition and your diet. And, you know, from there, what was, I guess, what is the hardest thing or what was the hardest thing? Like when you had those days, which everybody has those days, I have those days for sure, probably more often than I, I want to admit, but you know, you just don't want to do anything. I mean, I know you have your son, was he your lead motivation or was it more just because you wanted just a whole different lifestyle? Like what was your motivation and what kept you going to, to get you to where you are? Yeah, totally. And that's a great question. Cause so many people ask, you know, what was it? What keeps you going? And I learned at first, like, yes, motivation is a really great thing. Keeping up with my son. Um, and then you start feeling the results and you just start feeling better. And you're like experiencing life more. But motivation to me, the more I've gotten into this journey is just kind of like a load of unicorn poop. Like it's nice to think about, I guess. Like it's it's nice to think that it's there and to count on. And it's almost like, you know, people are always like, what keeps you motivated? Like I have some magical power that I'm just keeping in my back pocket that I'm some lucky person who just found it in the magical woods of motivation. But like that's furthest from the truth. What keeps me going is habits. And I think people need to start realizing that a little bit sooner than later. Like, yeah, motivation's great. It's awesome fluff. But what's kept me going is like, okay, when I first started, my habit was waking up before my son went to daycare, you know, four times a week and walking for 30 minutes. You know, and that then transpired to, okay, well, now I've gotten that habit down. Well, what other habit can I build in? Let me drink a gallon of water every day for four or five months. Okay, that habit's built in. So all this stuff is second nature to me that it doesn't it doesn't matter if I'm motivated or not because it's just so habitual that I just do it. Now, that's that's awesome because, you know, habits are what, you know, just consistent habits are, are what makes mm-hmm. a lifestyle change. So with that and and considering the growth of your family and, you know, your, your, you and your, and we'll talk about you and the the business side of Erica in a little bit, but what habits do you collectively do as, as a family unit? So in your household, you mentioned your, your exercise habits, your, your water drinking, your nutrition, but what do you do as a collective to, to ensure that the household, you know, does what they're supposed to do to, to maintain health and, and, and fitness? Cause you know, there's just, I, I want to know for me personally, because it's, it's a, it's a battle every day, you know, yeah. they don't want to eat this, but they will have this, but then, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a short order cook, so I'm not going to cook three different things. So You're what not? do you do? What, what, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think you want to eat my short order cooking. <laughs> but, so what do, what do you do as a, you know, you mentioned the 30 minutes of movement when they're not mm-hmm. playing sports. So what, yeah. what is it that that's a part of your weekly habit that as that you do as a group? 
Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the 30 minutes of movement, which is not always easy. So, you know, my husband does boxing mm-hmm. classes. I run classes at my own studio. And sometimes we'll say, hey, you're either going to boxing, you're either coming with Erica to the studio and working out with their group, or you're going to be on the treadmill or the bike for 45 minutes or a class for 30, like pick and choose what you're going to do. Um, so that's something that we've just done so often. Like it's just, there's, they'll fight us and like, oh, like I really don't want to do any of it. And we're like, well, you're just going to have to do it. Another thing is we have open conversations when it comes to food and wellness. I think because I grew up in an environment where food was an attachment, like it was an emotional response. Um, you know, my mom, little Debbie's and cakes and ice cream was the way she showed love because her mom showed her love the same way. So instead of doing that here, we do more family unit stuff, but also we're pretty open with food. I had the conversation with my husband actually literally just yesterday. And I said, it's so interesting because I got my Instacart order in for my groceries. We got them delivered and they have their, you know, their cookies or nutter butters or their little muffins or whatever. That's plenty in the house but they never overeat or snack too much because we've never made it a bad food. We've never talked about those foods as in they are a special treat. They're supposed to be limited. We've just said, this is food. And we've never made a big fuss about it. As of when where I grew up, it was like, hey guys, this little box, this box of Little Debbie's is special. It's to treat you. It's to make you feel good. It's because you did good. Um, And then we also keep all the other good stuff in the house. Um, When we cook dinner, we actually cook dinner as a family. Um, and my husband has a whole binder of recipes and we actually let the kids pick out which recipes they want. So, um, you know, it's like bison burgers is one of our favorite and we'll do, you know, peppers chopped up and, um, a side salad, or we'll do gluten-free, you know, spaghetti with lean ground turkey meatballs and keto marinara sauce. Like they love picking out the ingredients for their healthy options too, but we just make them part of like the family unit. And when we do our grocery list, it's on the fridge. Um, and we have it written out, you know, bananas, fruit, what fruit do you want? What veggies do you want? And then what's, what snacky things do you want? So we just make it a priority that they know that there's no such thing as good food or bad food. It's just food and we eat it all in moderation. Yes. Uh, those of you guys that are just joining us, um, again, welcome to random fit. I'm Wendy Batts and I'm here with my co-host Ken Miller. And of course we have a special guest, Erica Lugo, and she's telling us some amazing, amazing tips and a little bit about herself. (laughs) But, you know, Erica, I find it fascinating that you say that because, again, when I was growing up, same thing with my mm-hmm. family. It was always about here are our special treats or if we did well, we got yep. to go and pick out something special. But, you know, it's another kind of sad thing. And unfortunately, um, especially with our portion sizes, I've noticed that my my mother was like, you're not getting away, from, you know, moving away from the table until mm-hmm. you clear your plate. It was always clean yep. your plate or you can never get up. And so it's kind of. You know, it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I definitely don't want to to bring that to I have a five year old son. And so we're just like, eat us until you're full. However, you know, the the protein mm-hmm. part has to be, you know, you have to consume that over like a French fry or something like that. So we do give them like you must right. eat this over this. Um, so I just I find it fascinating because mm-hmm. it is so true. And luckily, I think, you know, society is starting to get the hang of you know what it's really not about cleaning yeah. your plate it's making good choices looking at your portion sizes and uh, i think that's great but but one thing i wanted to ask you i mean not to be doom and gloom here but um i know that you're a, ca- a cancer survivor and i think the story of of how you found out was i mean it like i literally took me back because it's not like you had these mm-hmm. symptoms and you were sick and you were trying to figure it out so do you want to share with everyone right. your your story there 
Yeah. So I have gone through multiple medical testing just because my family has thyroid issues. My mom's hypothyroidism, my uncle's hypothyroidism, but you know, I was young when I found, I'm still, I like to still think I'm young, right? But when I found out, um, I was younger and, um, you know, I would do my yearly blood draws with my doctor, my checkups since that family history, they would always check my thyroid levels. I always checked out fine, normal. I had no symptoms. I had no feelings, nothing that I can remember related to my thyroid. Um, I actually lapped out while I was driving. I remember going to my studio because I had a client at like 6.30 in the morning and I pulled off the exit of the highway and I just remember going like, man, it just, I feel really sweaty and clammy. Like maybe I ate something last night. I don't know. And then I started shaking and I said, okay, I just got to make it to that gym over there. There was a gym across the street, across the highway. And I said, I just got to make it there, park my car and maybe like collect myself, just make it there. So I turned left at the light and then all of a sudden my hearing went away. It was like a, a really loud ringing. My hearing went away. And then all of a sudden my vision just like went tunnel vision to like nothing but black. And I remember telling myself, oh God, this is it. Cause I felt bumps and I was completely out. And then I woke up and my car had veered over four different lanes and um, down a ditch up a hill and then completely totaled a church picnic shelter. And I just remember a stranger pulling me out of my car before a big wooden beam would have crushed me and I probably would not have survived. You know, even the firefighters say there's no way you should have survived what you did um, if it wasn't for that stranger pulling me out just in time. And he said he saw me starting to veer. He was a dentist going on the way to work down the street and saw me starting to veer and, and made sure that I was going to be okay. So in that accident, they obviously took me to the hospital to check for broken bones and head and neck injuries. And in my MRI scan for my head and neck injuries, they found a small mass on the right side of my neck. And the doctor said, did you know you have this? And he said, no. And he goes, well, if you feel pretty deep, you can, you can do it. And, um, you know, looking back, if I would have checked my neck or my face, I would have felt it. But us as women, we're never taught to do that. And I think we should be. We're taught to check our breasts for breast cancer. But thyroid cancer is one of the fastest growing cancers among women in the United States. I think we need to start saying, check your neck. So... <laughs> Um, then I get scheduled for a biopsy. My endocrinologist at the time said, Oh, you're young. You're super healthy. Like 99% of the time it's benign. So the day after Thanksgiving, 2018, I actually had a biopsy appointment. I almost forgot about it because I wasn't worried about it at all. And I go to the biopsy appointment and right then and there, he does a needle biopsy. And at the time I just signed a lease for a brand new retail space that I saved for years for, um, for a new fitness studio. I was writing a $20,000 check to renovate it. I'm still a single mom. I just moved into a brand new condo on my own and paid for it. And we're talking about all the exciting things going on in life. The holidays are coming up and he's like, Oh, I'll be right back. And I said, Oh my gosh, you do it here. And he was like, yeah. Again, I didn't think anything of it. I get on Instagram, I do my scroll, and he comes back five minutes later, and his face is completely different. And he hands me this small piece of paper, and he said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have papillary thyroid cancer. And he goes, it's already spreading. And he says, follow up with your doctor. And that's all he said. And I'll, I still actually have that little piece of paper. I don't know why the hell I hold on to it. But um, yeah, I found out the day after Thanksgiving, and then I had um, a full thyroidectomy, so you can still see my scar right there. Not too long ago, January of 2019. And then I had full radiation. I was actually radioactive. I couldn't have my kid with me. I couldn't have my pets. I had to sleep on, you know, cheap sheets from Walmart and 
I had to use the same utensils and I had to flush the toilet three times. Like I was legit radioactive uh, for 10 days in March of 2019. So really it hasn't been that long ago that my body has been through thyroid cancer. That's amazing. Well, well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm not that I'm glad that you had the wreck, but in all reality, mm-hmm. there was, there the was blessing a in disguise. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, and then obviously I, you know, there, you had to tell your son, I know that mm-hmm. must've been heartbreaking, but yeah. it sounds like he took it very well. <laughs> um, I actually told Instagram before I ever told my son, like I told the world before I told my son, because it's a single mom, you know, and he was, you know, he's going to be 11. This was only two years ago. So nine ish. Right. And he's at that age where he's still young, but kind of growing up a little bit. And, you know, at that age, they, they don't understand the gravity so much. They hear cancer and they automatically think it's going to be a bad thing. So I had to sit them down and I said, listen, you know, um, daddy's going to be around because we were divorced. So I said, daddy's going to be around a little bit more helping you out. You know, abuela, my mother is going to be helping a lot. And he said, well, why? And I said, well, mommy's really sick right now. And I'm going to have to go through a couple things to get better. And he said, well, why are you sick? And I said, well, I have cancer. Oh, I can almost cry thinking about that situation. Um, but he looks at me and goes, are you going to die as a nine-year-old? And as a single mom, I didn't have that answer because I didn't know. All I knew is that I had stage two. Technically, it would be stage three if I was over 35. Um, stage three to thyroid cancer because it had already spread. We didn't have as many answers as I wanted to. So I didn't have an answer for him at that time. And all, all you say as a maternal instinct is, no, honey, I'm going to be fine. But deep down, I was I was scared to tell. Wow. Oh, man. Well, we are so we're so <laughs> glad you, you are where you are because, I mean, that's, that's, I, know. That's, I mean, it's it, it is one of those things. Yeah, like you said, it, it is a blessing that, you know, mm-hmm. you, under one circumstance, you figured out your situation, but yeah. um, the what I mean, and then from that point, I mean, you mentioned you were at a at a at a point where you were also opening up your own studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Does that? Do you still have that studio? As that's one of the things I, I was still have that at. studio. Yep, I okay. still have that studio here in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And how how has that been for you? Because uh, I myself, mm-hmm. I own my own personal training studio here in California. But I'm always I'm always asking other other studio or anybody who owns a brick and mortar um, mm-hmm. uh, training facility. How how have things been for you this this, this mm-hmm. last year? Yeah, it's not been easy. I've never been mm-hmm. one to actually promote what I've done on TV or magazines or you know talk shows um, to get business. I probably should <laughs> looking at it, but I've never <laughs> been one to be like, hey, I've been on TV in a national show, so come train with me. I actually don't ever promote that on any of my social content pages with my studio affiliation. Um, So, you know, we don't have millions of clients like people assume we have around a hundred, which is still really good. Um, Mm -hmm. For us, our clientele is a little bit older. Um, They're moms. They are wives. They are middle-aged or older. They've got families to take care of. So when COVID happened, obviously no one wanted to expose themselves so we obviously had to go right online because we did get locked down for quite some time. I know you guys in California are back and forth with that as well. But thankfully, we went right online. But when we were allowed to reopen, we still allowed online streaming. But I will say our clientele dropped off because I was not going to hold them accountable for a membership if they just did not feel safe. Like that, I just didn't feel right doing that. Right. So you know, unfortunately, we did have a dip in clientele. We're slowly starting to tick back up. Um, I had to add more sessions 
So we have um, what I call semi-private. It's kind of like a small group. We only allow 12 people in there anyways, but now I've actually cut that down even more to only eight. So everyone can be eight feet apart and we have bubbles and stickers where they're in their own little bubble. Um, everyone has their own yoga mats. Everyone has their own set of dumbbells that they can rent out or, you know, borrow ours, but it's got to be clean before and after. So I've had to add more right. sessions, I've had to add more trainers. So obviously my revenue has taken a hit because I've had to add more to accommodate for safety protocols and procedures. And then try finding Lysol, enough Lysol all the time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Clorox wipes, That's Lysol, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, air filters, all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. let, let me ask you this. Then. I mean, you, you're saying that, uh, I mean, you, you have this brick and mortar. You have more trainers. And mm -hmm. you still have, and this is the thing that's still amazing to me, is that you have such a, a wide social media presence. I know you've got your Facebook mm -hmm. group, uh, you have your, your live sessions there, and then you have mm -hmm. your live Instagram. How, yeah. do you, how do you balance it out? Because you're still trying to, to reach out, talk to people, you have guests. And I mean, I was scrolling through and I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, the guests that you were able to, to get on, and I'm, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, with your exposure to with uh, The Biggest Loser and, and, right. and your presence from the media standpoint there, how, how do you balance all of that from, uh, you know, from a training standpoint? Yeah. Well, I, you know, my husband always likes to say it's because you're Erica Fitlove, right? So uh, <laughs> he just says, you just, you just get it done. But I've... Um, Honestly, I'm learning to balance. I'm not going to say I have it all figured out because I think it's an ever evolving thing. You know, between three kids, we've got three dogs. I'm newly married. We just celebrated our first uh, wedding anniversary. We got married in COVID. Oh. Um, I have the brick and mortar. I also have two supplement companies. I've got a tea company, a skincare company, an online membership, and I do Instagram lives and Facebook lives. My schedule's pretty well built out. Um, but I will say I've learned to say no and set boundaries. So especially with being online and helping people, unfortunately, you can give people an inch and they'll take a mile. Um, and I've learned to set those boundaries with saying no, or I wish I could help, but I can't. Here's a different resource. Um, and also just doing it what I what's what I'm passionate about. It doesn't seem like it's work when I'm so passionate about it. So but I'll get back to you when I figure out the balance. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Eric, I have a question. You know, speaking about the biggest yeah. loser, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's amazing that you're one of the the newer trainers that are going to be on the show. Mm -hmm. I know that you know if, if you want to kind of tell us a little bit about how did you get involved? Did they contact you? Did you contact mm -hmm. them? And had you previously watched the show? And were you thinking, wow, like this trainer, like I would never be that trainer, or this is what I think mm -hmm. should change? You know, what were what were your thoughts before you became part of the show? And then now, yeah. like, what is it being on the show, obviously, that uh, you feel is really going to help these individuals? Yeah. So um, funny story with how they found me and how this all happened. So first off, when I got the first interview request, my husband, he was just my boyfriend then, who was like, oh, you got the show. Like, don't even worry about it. But they slid into my Instagram DMs and someone from uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Casting casting producer slid into my DMs and said, hey, I think you'd be a really great fit for the show. And I remember thinking, well, if it's anything like The Biggest Loser, I don't know if I want to do it just because it's been a show that has so many well-known people already. Like you think of Biggest Loser, you think Bob Harper, you think Jillian Michaels. And I was like, I don't know if I could fill those shoes. 
And then she says, well, actually is the biggest loser. And I thought, damn. And I was like, I'm going to go for it anyway. So I said, I'm open to hearing, you know, what it's going to be about. Cause it was off air for about three to four years and it, it hasn't been around. So um, I went through the casting process for, and interesting enough, I got done with radiation for thyroid cancer in March, February, March of 2019. And then I got contacted by the biggest loser in June, July of 2019. So I was just getting done and over that hump, you know, and still recovering. So I go through the interview process and it just gets further and further along. They actually fly me out to California for what's called a chemistry test just to see how I am on camera and basically threw me to the wolves. Uh, they gave me two, they gave me two biggest loser type contestants. They let me see their background, their, um, their folder with all their information, you know, their medical history when it comes to fit, not medical history, but their fitness history, any injuries and things like that and said, all right, Go train them for 20 minutes while we have all these cameras around you and every major network producer is going to be watching you in this little dinky room in the basement of a major production company. And I thought, holy crap. So I just did what I do. I just kind of brushed it off. Um, I get a text back from the casting director that night as I'm in my car going back home because literally they flew me in, they flew me out. And um, at the time, I was actually trying to study for the NASM. I'd only bought my certification bundle maybe six weeks before uh, the yeah. contacted me because I was already certified with two other certifications. And the casting director said, hey, how fast can you get your NASM? And I said, how fast do you need me to get my NASM? And she's like, <laughs> she said, 15 days. And I said, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> So I had 15 days and I literally canceled everything in my life. Cause I, again, I've already been certified for two other certifications. I've been thinking about my NASM for some time. I had, you know, the books, I just never did anything with it. And she's like 15 days. And I'm like, Oh, sweet Lord. I just bought a house. I just, you know, studios up and running, just hired another trainer. I had so many moving parts. I canceled everything and I studied 24 hours a day for 15 days and I go to the test because it's proctored right and right. I'm like shaking in my boots the whole time because I'm like if I don't pass this test I'm not going to be able to be a trainer on the show so I'm like that's a lot of pressure right like you made it through all of this and you got to pass this damn test and people it's not it's not easy folks like it's it's like the top of the top right like it's the top of the top and um I take the test and I, I think it took me about 35 minutes and they give you the results in and there. And I swear to God, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And she's like, you pass. And I was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, that's, I felt like I hit like every roadblock. So I had to pass an ASM in 15 days. Um, you know, with my car accident, I still had um, some issues with my like driving abilities. Like I had some restrictions per the, the state and the medical team because they're like well you're blacking out by driving so i had to get that fixed by the dmv in the state of ohio to get that cleared i had to pass a nasm i had like all these things going on i'm like there is no way in heck that i'm not getting this job so um finally she's like all right we have a couple other candidates but we'll call and keep you in and we'll be in touch so i was at the gym it was like a wednesday morning doing my cardio get a, i see la is calling me so I, you know, I get off the elliptical, I go to this little private room and at this gym, they don't have the ceilings above these little individual rooms. It's like a little changing <laughs> pod. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, hello. And she's like, do you want good news or bad news first? And I said, bad news. 
she says, the bad news is you have to be on a plane to New Mexico tomorrow to be gone for four months of your life. Good news is you got the job. And I was like, are you kidding me? And the whole gym could hear me. And I'm like crying uncontrollably because I, you know, for me, ever since I got in fitness, my one thing I've always told myself to keep on pushing on was because I wanted to change the way people view fitness. I wanted to change the industry standard that you don't have to be, you know, a double size zero with six pack abs and sculpted arms to be in fitness and change people's lives. So I knew being on the biggest loser was going to be that platform for me. And I just, I lost it. And that's, that's how I got the job. Wow. That's awesome. Awesome. And I've seen, you know, some of the interactions that you've done, you know, just little clips of it. So when yeah. you first met your team, were you nervous? Were you excited? I mean, I know My that they obviously, I mean, yeah. Right. So a yeah. Little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely shaking in my boots again, you know, because looking at the previous seasons, I've never really watched the seasons. I was always aware of, I knew who Bob Harper was. I knew who Julian Michaels was like, those were just pivotal pieces. Like they literally changed, like they're going to be on history trivia games for, you know what I mean? Like pop culture, because they're just, they are so well known. So when I found out that Bob was going to be the host, I was even more nervous because, you know, regardless if you lose 160 pounds, 20 pounds, everyone still struggles with that inner critic and, you know, thinking that they need to be X, Y, and Z to be accepted. So for me, it was an internal struggle to say, okay, I'm going on a national platform as a weight loss trainer and I'm a size eight and I have curves and I, you know, I'm stocky and I look different than the other trainers. So it was really hard for me to swallow that pill, but it also made me really excited to be on the show because I wanted to make it different. Um, but I'll never forget when I first got to Santa Fe, like the second or third day I was there, the production said, Hey, we want you guys to have private meetings with Bob and just kind of get to know him. And I thought, Oh crap, like I'm so nervous. So we go into this gorgeous hotel in Santa Fe and they open the doors. Like it's some Italian mob. Like I thought like this was some movie scene, literally they open these big wooden, beautiful doors to this lightly dimmed Santa Fe like style room with like all the leather and the Aztec stuff. And there's Bob Harper sitting in this gorgeous, like, hand carved wooden chair, you know, and all his Bob Harper glory with his two dogs on one on each side. And he was like, hello. And I thought, Oh my God, like I'm so nervous. Um, and I, I told him, I told him right off the bat. I said, I really don't feel like I fit the part of a trainer. I don't know how comfortable I feel being here. And he said, well, you look like you work out to me and I feel like you are definitely someone who should be here. So after he told me that, it got a lot easier. Now the process definitely um, was hard. I mean, I was gone for four months and then no one could actually know that I got the show for the first eight ish, 10 weeks that I, or eight weeks, I would say eight weeks that I was filming because it hadn't been publicly announced to the trainers were yet. Um, people knew the show was coming back, but they had no idea. So I had to up and leave my life. And the only people who knew was my son and my mom and my then boyfriend and my trainers at the studio. Cause obviously they had to take over. So five people who had to keep it really hush hush, no one else could know what I was doing. So it was really kind of an isolating experience because a, I'm across the country. Um, I'm by myself and I'm living this dream that I never thought I would. And you, when you're on campus, you live, eat, breathe, biggest loser. You were there 15 hours a day. You've got a team who's relying on you. And not only that, in the back of my head, I'm like, this is national freaking TV. I hate losing 
at home, like let alone on a national platform. So it was a super humbling experience for me because sometimes even Steve, the co-trainer, would be like, Erica, don't get so mad at my, don't tell me not to get mad that we lost. So I, I got humbled a lot on set, but I would never take the experience back. That's awesome. Well, for those of you guys that are joining us, we are speaking with Erica Lugo. She is a part of our wonderful Random Fit podcast today um, with myself being Wendy Batts and my co-host, Ken Miller. And we are super excited to hear all these fun stories. And um, going back to you, Erica, one more question about The Biggest Loser. And I'm sure I, I keep hogging all Ken's time. So sorry for buttoning in so much, Ken. <laughs> you got but, um, I know, right? But when you, when, you, when you talk about the day, you know, at, you know, being on like, on the campus and you're in your, you know, kind of walk us through. Cause again, we just see an, an hour show and then all of a sudden we see right. this huge amount of weight loss. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, when, when others are trying to lose weight, they're sitting at home and they're like, man, I only lost a pound this week. And these people are losing like 20 pounds or 15 pounds or 10 pounds. Right. Um, can you kind of walk us through like, what is, you know, what is, what is the difference from what we see on TV and then what's truly happening on the back end? Yeah. Great question. And I love, I'm so passionate about the show because being on campus, I see firsthand what good the show does, even though some people have different opinions on it. So you're right. You guys only see an hour each week versus one episode actually takes a week to film. So we have seven days chopped into one hour. What people don't realize is I always say we have the healthiest overweight people ever. So when the show picks, you know, the final 24 contestants, those 24 contestants actually got flown out to Santa Fe well before I got even selected to be a trainer. And they are going through multiple, multiple and vigorous medical testing on every scale that you can imagine. Um, so much so that it takes, you know, over a week for them to do all the testing day by day, sleep tests, you know, um, movement tests, mobility tests, um, health tests, you know, blood markers, everything that you can imagine is done on campus. And also to see how they can just even acclimate because being in Santa Fe, the elevation, it'll, it'll, like, it'll make you feel something fierce. So um, a lot of people don't realize they have so much medical background checks to even get on the show and be cleared to get on the show. So that's one thing. Um, behind the scenes, they have a therapist. They have a nutritionist. They've got two trainers. And they've got a medical doctor. And they have physical therapists. 24 seven as much as they want. I would always joke that our cast members had better treatment than us as trainers, because if they wanted to go get a massage, boom, let's go get you that massage gun. Let's get you on the table. Let's get you worked out. If they need a recovery thing, there was a physical therapist there with ice baths, saunas, wraps, you name it. Um, if they had any question about what micronutrients or macronutrients were, not only what us as trainers, they had nutritionists make individual plans for them based off their BMR and based off their food preferences. Um, they had someone shop for them. You know, their only job, and I always say, it's a, it's a, it's a weight loss competition show. So you cannot compare the biggest loser bubble to reality because they are in a biggest loser bubble. Now, what I appreciated about the season that I was on is we have lots of aftercare. So when they leave the show, they actually have a year worth of therapy, nutritionists, and access to trainers and Planet Fitness for a year after being off the show. Whether you were off the first episode and lost zero or 10 pounds, and to the very last contestant who won, they have a year of support, which I think is just pivotal in making sure people can stay healthy. But 
our days would start off anywhere between 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. And you had the camera workouts that you see on camera and on film. Those were um, the weekly workout, the last chance workout, and the challenges. Those were three things that we filmed in a week. However, behind the scenes, we and Steve would constantly make our trip to campus. And keep in mind, we had 30 minute, 30 plus commute every day back and forth to get to campus. So if sometimes a, um, someone on your team was like, hey, I really need that support right now. I just, I feel like I'm going to break. Like, I just, I can't do this. I would drive 30 plus minutes at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night to go talk to them and to help them. Like that was our job. Um, but we would make their plans for them. Each of them had to be individually made. Then when those plans got submitted, then they got sent to the doctor and the physical therapist to make sure that it was something that that person's body could handle because of the tests that they went through. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe Erica had someone do a box jump. Now keep in mind, the box was only one or two inches. And yes, she was over three or 300 pounds. However, all her tests that she went through mobility-wise, stability-wise was cleared and she stepped it. So um, there was tons of things beyond what you guys just see on TV that goes into making sure that each and every one of those contestants are well taken care of. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that, that is amazing. As far as all, all the help that someone needs to see change. And, and I know mm -hmm. again, with, with what you do from a coaching online coaching standpoint, you, you do provide a lot of that. That's, and that's a gist yeah. I get from your, from your social media. But the one thing I wanted to, to talk to you about, because, you know, both Wendy and I, you know, we, we do um, our share of talking to personal trainers, especially new personal trainers, to the field mm -hmm. of fitness and you made that transition years ago and you know correct me if i'm wrong but you were you were working in human resources you had a, an mm -hmm. office a desk job and you made yep. that change and you know and, and a lot of trainers you know especially within this last year you know everybody's had to make some adjustments to say the least but what 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 key points and, and what words of advice would you have for for people that have realized okay my passion is in helping other people. My passion is in helping people move better and move more. And, mm -hmm. you know, I need to get out of this retail job. I need to get out of this engineering job and accounting job. I, I need to get away from this and, and move into this field. What, what advice would you have for somebody that wants to take that leap, but they're just afraid to let go of that, that one rung before they monkey mm -hmm. bar to that next one? Oh my gosh. And I love that. So you're right. Good research, Ken, like really good research oh, wow. on my, that HR stint. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> so I worked on um, HR, you're right. And, um, you know, and then after HR, I went to fitness, but I only went to fitness part-time for probably a couple years, um, because I was doing marketing and I couldn't let go of that little flexible marketing job marketing and HR. And I remember my boyfriend constantly saying, just let it go. Like, just jump and just leap. And I promise you, everything's going to be okay. And I was still so fearful because I'm like, I don't know, as a single mom, like you need that income. This is stability. I grew up in a house where it was like, you need a nine to five, you know, you need your insurance, go to work, go home, whatever. Being an entrepreneur was like unheard of. But I will say the moment that I realized just to leap as scary as that is, and to let go of the fear, also, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. And people laugh at me. You know, people on the biggest user set call me woo-woo. I actually am a huge manifestation person. I wear citrine, which is like good for opportunities and abundance. And I literally will claim and believe what I want every day. Like in my journal, even now, I say, I am X, Y, and Z. I have X, Y, and Z. So when it came to making that leap in my journal, I would do the same thing. I would say, I am a, uh, I am a successful personal trainer. 
every day. So whether I believed it or not, it was something that my mind constantly was being fed, that it was just easy for me to make that leap. Cause I was like, well, I am this, I am successful. Like, come on, like there's no way to not be. And same thing with the biggest loser. I wrote it every single day. The moment I got that interview, I am the next biggest loser trainer. I had it on my phone, on my screensaver. I said it every day. I never once doubted it. Boom. And I feel like you just got to own it and make that leap because honestly, the most success you're going to have is when you make that leap. And it's supposed to be scary and it's supposed to feel like icky and weird and all that stuff, right? That's what makes it so great. Now, when you were when you became a trainer uh, and you were doing part time, were you um, did you go work for someone else? Did you say, OK, you know, I'm going to do a big box, a boutique or I'm just going to have my own clients and meet them somewhere in a park? Yeah, great question. So I actually um, there was a um, non franchise gym here local in Centerville, Ohio. And another fitness trainer had a rented out space within the gym. And when I told her I got certified, she said, oh, well, if you want to get started, like you can rent our space and we can kind of like intermingle and like use the space, you know, together. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and a few months went by and I was like, mm, no, this isn't going to work because I just, you know, I didn't agree with, um, you know, the gym's what's vision of what fitness is. Um, I didn't agree with the girl who had her boutique studio, like, you know, her times was always overlapping mine. And I felt like they kind of looked at me like, oh, she's a newbie. And they kind of treated me that way too. Like, oh, she's a newbie. Maybe she'll have clients, but you know, hers aren't what ours are worth. And that's what I felt. And that's one of the main reasons that I felt so passionate about changing the fitness industry, because that niche that they were in was very different than what I was. Right. And I felt like, well, I need a space where people can feel comfortable coming from a background like me, you know, people who aren't naturally fit or who aren't naturally thin or who may not be the trendy fitness clothes people and going in with their Lulu and this and all of that. And just that's not what I came from. Not to say that's not OK or bad because it's not. But that wasn't just me. So I actually found an old garage studio. Because Keep in mind, I'm still a single mom at this time. Um, and making that transition, I found this old garage, gross, shared the co-garage with auto detailers. There was no parking lot. There was no windows. The only in or out was the garage door up and down and a side door. So that was the only light we could ever get in. There was no heat. There was no air conditioning. It smelled like oil and car paint 24-7. <laughs> the bathroom, the bathroom, I would say, you would probably come back murdered. No joke, because it was that scary. And I bought all my equipment secondhand. I bought all of it on Facebook. I found it on Craigslist. I did what I could. I had, you know, literally probably $500 in my bank account. And I did that on, you know, painting the, the garage floor just to make it a, a little bit, you know, livable. Um, and I did that for two and a half years. You know, my seats were, um, you know, where people could sit down when they're coming in were literally boxes were wood boxes that I had someone nail together for me and paint pink to make it look livable. I mean, everything was literally secondhand or just made from what I could. And we did that for about two years and I saved all my pennies from that. Um, and I put it into my retail space that I have now. Wow. That's amazing. So you can't, you need pink boxes. That's what you need. I need, I need, to, I need paint and oil in the air. I'm telling you. Yeah. They were these big wooden boxes, big wooden boxes that I painted bright pink. And then we found, um, 
what are this, the base rubber baseboards? And I, I glued rubber baseboards to the bottom of the pink boxes to make them look a little bit better. You know, like I did the best I could. Um, but I think it says something that a lot of my clients, not a lot, all of my clients stayed with me in that space. You know, I had clients who were, you know, top level, you know, income earners and living million dollar lifestyles and going to that garage and I say, I think that says a lot with what I offered and the connection I could I could have with people and how I treated fitness and how I made it very, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Everyone is welcome in fitness just because you're not a certain size and a certain look doesn't mean you're anything less than someone who is. That's awesome. Well, Erica, I know I know I could keep you here all day, but I have, <laughs> I have one final question and I know Kim yeah. will probably close this out. But, um, you know, obviously... NASM is, you know, super true to my heart as well as Ken's and then hopefully yours as well. Um, but, you know, with with everyone listening and I mean, obviously we have people that are trainers. We also have people that are, are consumers or people that just like to listen to us chat, which is what we're kind of hoping for as well. Um, but, you know, if you had to give the three key takeaways in your life, like the biggest things that you've learned and the things that you could say on a success, like what are you most I know what you're thankful for because I mean, obviously you have a lot, um, but what could you like words of advice as Ken kind of said earlier, but mm -hmm. you know, if you had to say here are three key takeaways for people that don't know if they want to train or want to lose weight, want to make changes. It's more of like mm -hmm. living a lifestyle. What would you say to, to everyone? My gosh, that's such a broad question. How can you put that on me at the very end? I know. Well, <laughs> you know what? I, I figured I'd start there just in case, but uh <laughs> You know, the biggest thing, and you know, I have so many people ask me that all the time. And the one thing that I tell people is to drain out the noise because there's so much, like I said earlier, on social media, you can scroll your feed and you're going to see 10 different diets. You're going to see 10 different influencers offering different workouts. You're going to see so many different low carb, fat free, sugar free things. And I just say drain out the noise and do what's best for you. And that may be starting with something that's just, you know, lessening your portion sizes. That may be just as simple as walking outside versus doing those crazy, you know, workouts that we see on social media. And listen to yourself because what happens is when we just get so inundated with everyone else's opinions and someone else's workouts or food advice that we kind of like lose sight of ourselves and we start molding into other people. And I remember when I first started in fitness, you know, and even now I'm, I'm trying to teach people to unlearn everything that we've been taught because I fell into that trap too. You know, the, the more is better, you know, grind harder, work until you're puking, um, cut your calories until you just can't cut anymore. Like that's kind of what we've been fed. Um, and I listened to so many people's opinions based off social media that I kind of followed that for a little while. And then when I allowed that noise to go away and I shut it out and I listened to my own heart in my own head, that's when my journey started taking the turn for the better because I was doing what was best for me. Awesome. That is, that is awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Erica. And, yeah. you know, like, like Wendy said, I've got about five other questions that I could <laughs> easily ask you right now. But <laughs> um, I mean, at, at some point in the future, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to, you know, pick your mind and brain a little totally. bit more, especially with, you know, with, with what you mentioned with your, your businesses, you know, you have a tea mm -hmm. company, supplements, you're involved in nutrition, exercise, mm -hmm. you got multiple platforms. And, um, you know, 
you know, definitely you've got a follower in me since, you know, since finding Thanks, out that, man. you know, we've got you, we've got you, you know, on this episode of, of the random fit. And, uh, you know, I started following you, not just from a research standpoint, but mm-hmm. what really captivated me was just your, your passion and your energy and, mm-hmm. and your enthusiasm for, for not just, you know, the things that you're doing and how you're helping people, but it's just, you know, your passion for life and, and how you get people not just to get to where they want to be, but to keep them there is, is the energy I'm getting. So, um, yeah. You know, you definitely have a follower in me, not just because of the show, but not just up till the show, but definitely moving forward. <laughs> and I, and we Thank will you. have, yeah, we will have in the show notes, um, your information on, you know, people want to okay. follow you and, and keep in touch with you regarding your social media and your different platforms. So thank you again on behalf of Wendy and myself. Thank you so much for spending your time here again with everything that you've got going on. I know there's other ways that you could have filled in this hour, but um, for those of you guys listening to The Random Fit, we have Miss, we've had the pleasure of having Miss Erica Lugo here sharing her experiences and what makes what makes her businesses basically run with all the background. Man, I just, I'm definitely going to watch this over, over again. Um, but, uh, subscribe, follow, share, you know the drill. Uh, follow, share, download. And uh, if you like what you have to hear, um, with, especially with this, this awesome episode here, uh, please stay tuned for for more episodes from Randy uh, Random Fit. So thank you, everybody. Take care thank you. and be well. Thanks, guys. Thanks.